the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to that show. Hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. I am your host, Nick DeGilio. I'm a podcaster, a comedy writer, and performer, graduate of Second City, and a Saturday Night Live expert and historian. And each week, we'll look back at everything SNL, the best, the worst, the good, the bad, the classic, the forgotten. We'll talk about full seasons and full casts, behind-the-scenes stories, episodes, sketches, SNL's historical significance, and much, much more. Sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't, but with every episode, I will always prove that that tired cliche of that show hasn't been funny in years that you hear all the time is absolutely wrong. Well, this episode, uh, which is number 33, is all about hosts and recurring characters. Now, um, you know about the, 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 the famous Five Timers Club. The Five Timers Club is that group of hosts who uh, have hosted Saturday Night Live, those celebrities who've hosted Saturday Night Live five times or more. And when you host Saturday Night Live uh, for the fifth time, you join the Five Timers Club. It becomes an exclusive club. They make a bit out of it. You get a jacket. They usually have a sketch acknowledging the fact that you're in the Five Timers Club and big-time celebrities from the past who are in the Five Timers Club, like your Paul Simons and your Steve Martins and all these other uh, guys show up uh, to give you your your jacket. And uh, those are special sort of moments for, for, for hosts. So for celebrities who have hosted Saturday Night Live, they're in the Five Timers Club. And in fact, there is an episode of this very podcast, that show hasn't been funny in years, that's dedicated to some of the members of the Five Timers Club and playing back clips from their episodes when they got inducted and some of their best moments from the five or more times that they've hosted the show. Well, there is an also uh, quite possibly a more exclusive club than the Five Timers Club. And that club is the people who host who have recurring characters. And these are characters that, um, that you would find on the show during the time that they host it. Uh, they, they were so memorable, in fact, that they became recurring and would come back every time that this person would host. It's a very unusual thing. Now, all cast members have recurring characters or, you know, the majority of uh, famous cast members from every season of Saturday Night Live over the year, over the years, you know, have characters that people love and they bring them back and they get the catchphrases and they're very popular. Recurring characters are a staple in Saturday Night Live, but they are almost always just belonging to the cast members. It's, 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 there aren't that many people who come on to host the show who do characters that are so memorable, but they got to bring them back. That they themselves, these celebrities who host the show, they inspire catchphrases. They inspire great characters that people will remember and they want to come back. So this episode is dedicated to the celebrities who hosted Saturday Night Live and became so good at certain characters that they were recurring. We're going to go through some of the most memorable recurring characters that hosts have brought to the stage of Saturday Night Live. Now, uh, we're not counting in this one, we're not counting political impressions, 
Um, you know, like Alec Baldwin's uh, Donald Trump or Tina Fey's Sarah Palin or Melissa McCarthy's Sean Spicer, Jim Carrey's Joe Biden. There are a bunch more. And these are characters that, were, that, that are on this list that are just, uh, they're not political and they weren't brought back just as cameos. These characters were brought back only when the host, when, the, when that celebrity came back to host. So they didn't come back during political times or during election periods or during primaries or during any of that kind of stuff. This was every single time this person hosted Saturday Night Live, they brought this character back because it killed the last time they did it. And there are uh, several examples of this. Um, I have nine uh, celebrities, nine hosts who came back and, uh, and, and had recurring characters. And, uh, you know, I want to go through some of them. We'll play some clips from some of these uh, recurring characters and talk about the, per the, the you know, the, the hosts who had the most recurring characters because some had as many as, uh, like, five in, ca in, one, in one celebrity's case. So, uh, and some just have one. But the fact that hosts were good enough and did this character so memorably that people wanted it again, that there you go. Now, oddly, you know, Christopher Walken is on this list. Uh, but oddly, things like, uh, you know, the, the, the cowbell character, uh, the Bruce Dickinson character, that was only one time. Now, it caused catchphrases and it sold T-shirts and it's one of the most memorable characters and one of the most memorable sketches in SNL history. But it only occurred one time. And that's the case with a lot of things. I think a lot of people think that celebrities come on and they do these great bits and that they must have done them more than once. They must have done them five, ten times to become so popular and to have these catchphrases and to sell merch and stuff like that. But in a lot of cases, it's only done one time and they're not recurring characters. What I'm talking about is celebrities who come in as hosts and they've hosted several times. Many of them belong to the Five Timers Club and they bring back brand new. They bring back a character that uh, for a brand new sketch and a recurring character. So let's go through some of these. Some of them are interesting. Some of them are weird. And the first one that I'm going to go to is downright controversial. Buck Henry, who hosted SNL many times in the 70s, uh, was a staple on SNL. Um, you know, he showed up a lot of times when he wasn't hosting. He would make cameos. Um, he was there the night that they had anyone, the, the celebrity, or they had the, 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 the real person, anyone can host Saturday Night Live. He was there to help back up that person who won. So he was a staple in the 70s on Saturday Night Live and a great writer. You know, I mean, the guy, the guy co-wrote uh, uh, Heaven Can Wait, co-directed Heaven Can Wait. He wrote The, the Graduate. A great comedy mind who worked in television, who worked on stage, an incredible uh, writer, an incredible director, just an amazingly talented guy who was a major voice in the first few seasons, the classic seasons of Saturday Night Live. Well, he did a character that is one of the most controversial and one of the most memorable and one of the weirdest um, and one that causes much debate in the history of Saturday Night Live, but with an interesting creative background. Buck Henry played Uncle Roy. If you don't remember Uncle Roy, Uncle Roy was a creepy uh, character who was a babysitter. And he took a very weird delight in babysitting a pair of prepubescent girls played by Gilda Radner and Lorraine Newman. Um, and he wasn't just like a family guy. He liked to have them jump up and down and he took pictures of them. And there were they did the sketch three times and each time it uh, it caused a lot of controversy. Uh, but what people didn't really get was that it was a really bleak satire of how, you know, how, how, how monstrous these people were that you left with your kids, especially in the 70s. In the 70s, kids were left with anybody or they were left alone. And uh, the amazing thing about this is that as creepy as the character was, it caused, you know, it got huge amounts of laughs. 
um, you know, uh, and and it was it was it was a character that was very very on point for that time period. You know, a lot of kids were left alone with some questionable adults, especially in the seventies. And so this sketch took that uh, took that under its wing. And and so um, the interesting thing is that you can you can't it's very very hard to find these sketches online because uh, so many people would be offended by and 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 in today's climate, trust me, in today's in today's cultural and political climate and what you can say and what you can't say without offending everybody on the fucking planet, these things would not play at all. There would be, you know, people would go nuts. So they're very, very difficult to find and they're not on the Peacock episodes. They're very, very hard to find. They're an interesting time capsule and even in the 70s when this played, it played with controversy. So I do not have a clip of, uh, of Uncle Roy uh, taking pictures and being inappropriate with these young girls played by Gilda Red and Lorraine Newman as he babysit for them. Uh, but I do have something, uh, an interview that, uh, that Buck Henry himself did, and this was for the Archive of American, of American Television, the Emmy uh, Society. They were doing a historical look back at old television, and one of the things that came up was Buck Henry working on SNL, and they interviewed him at length for his work with SNL. And Uncle Roy came up. And so this is an interview that uh, Buck Henry did about Uncle Roy for the Archive of American Television. Uncle Roy was the uh, babysitter, uncle of uh, the kids, Lorraine Newman and Gilda Radner, who were like eight, nine, 10, 11. And he's the uncle you hope doesn't show up at your house because his relationship to the children is mm, on the edge. Uh, but the great thing about the sketches, we did it twice only. See, people think we did it a lot of times, but we didn't. We did it twice. The, ba- the best thing about the sketch to me was that they really liked, they really loved each other, I think, and they thought too. So when I asked them to, you know, throw down their little panties and uh, let me take pictures of them standing on top of the coffee table, all this stuff, this nasty stuff, they, the, you know, the giggling and the, and the show of affection would just increase. I, I know those of you who are listening to this and have been badly mangled by your early history will not sympathize with my point of view. But still, I also had another rationalization for it. Um, this, the, both, both times the sketches were written by... Ann Beats and Rosie Schuster. Mm-hmm. So men did not have any input. I had little input, but the guys did not have input in the writing of them. And at the end of the second one, Danny Aykroyd and Jane, the parents of the little girls, come in and say what kind of, you know, was it a good evening? And, you know, we'd have a joke of some kind. And in the second one, they said, Something like, oh, you're so good to give up your evenings. There's nobody like you, Uncle Roy. And I looked in the camera and said, oh, I don't think that's true. I I think there's an Uncle Roy in every family. And I thought, this is a great moment in which possibly I can start interesting conversations in families across America about who was the Uncle Roy in their family. I probably was building it all up too much, but I like the concept. So there it is. Um, Buck Henry talking about the very controversial Uncle Roy. He made three appearances. He said two in that uh, 
I mean, obviously, Buck would know best, but there are actually three appearances. If you if you dig, you can find a third one, a shorter one. But uh, but there you go. So the controversial Uncle Roy is the first recur recurring character uh, that hosts had. Uh, next, Alec Baldwin, who has hosted the show several times, way past five, um, and has it is it is historically considered one of the best and funniest and most creative hosts in Saturday Night Live history. Well, he, uh, his most, his best and most creative uh, uh, recurring character is an impression, and it's Tony Bennett. But it's not really an impression. It's kind of an impression, but he makes Tony Bennett, quote-unquote Tony Bennett that he does, kind of his own kind of thing. Um, and before he, you know, became mostly known for his impression of Trump, um, he did a more accurate impression of Tony Bennett, uh, and he had his own talk show, the Tony Bennett Talk Show, uh, you know, this cat can really wear the bejesus out of a uh, out of a suit, and he had all kinds of crazy guests, including Daryl Hammond as Dick Chasey, uh, Dick Cheney back in 2005, um, and uh, he did it five times. And his Tony Bennett is hilarious. But the most memorable of the five times that the Tony Bennett character recurred when uh, when Baldwin hosted, the most memorable of was when he hosted the Tony Bennett show, Alec Baldwin, and his guest was well, Tony Bennett. So here's a little clip of the real Tony Bennett hilariously appearing with the, Im- the impression of Tony Bennett played by Alec Baldwin. So here's Alec Baldwin doing his recurring impression of Tony Bennett with the real Tony Bennett. Uh, Anthony. You look great. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing just great. I'm doing just great. <laughs> you know, you're a real prince letting me on this show. Oh, hey. This guy can wear the heck out of a suit, don't you know? <laughs> you're no slouch either. These are my fancy duds. I wore these for Bob Dylan, but I'm just as happy you dig them, too. <laughs> They're great. They're really great. There's great, great threads. Great threads. I just want you all to know what a class you I You got a great nose is. job. I appreciate that, I do. Back in the late 70s, I caught his show in Atlantic City and I was surprised to find out he was copying my act word for word and song for song. It was more of a tribute to you. Anyway, I enjoyed the heck out of his performance. And then I sued the bejesus out of him and took it for everything. But he was such a first-rate human being that we were able to bury the hatchet and Make lemons out of, make lemonade out of lemons. So tell them what you did, Anthony. I stayed in bed for two months. No, after that. Well, I slept in the Grand Central Station. No, way after that. I retooled my act so it was more of a comedy parody. You know, Tony, you know, it, which is 100% legal. This guy does a send-up of my stuff that will huff and puff and blow your house down. Tell him what your stage name is. This is a doozy, folks. My name is Phony Bennett. <laughs> And it goes on, and they do a number together. Uh, it's really a wonderful, a wonderful moment. And that whole thing about, hey, you got a nice nose job that Tony Bennett said, that obviously was not uh, meant uh, to be said. And, and Baldwin almost breaks at that point because obviously he's got the big nose application on to, to duplicate uh, Tony Bennett's ample uh, nose. Uh, Tony Bennett, who just passed away recently, uh, one of the most incredible singers and entertainers in the history of show business, had a great sense of humor, too. And uh, that goes on for a few more minutes. You can find that one on Peacock. You can find that one online. Uh, Alec Baldwin as Tony Bennett hosting the Tony Bennett Show with his guest, 
Tony Bennett, and they do a number at the end. It's great. Um, that's one of uh, my, one of my personal favorite recurring characters by hosts, um, Alec Baldwin's Tony Bennett. So that's another one. Now, here, the next one is a weird one. This is Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, um, who uh, had a recurring character who didn't really have a name. He was Gene's meathead friend, um, and that was it's just a weird a weird character that was meant to be a showcase more for Cecily Strong, who played this sort of weird, kind of a meat-headed uh, British girl named Gemma. Um, and in several episodes, Gemma would come back because she was a great character, fantastic accent, and the incredible Cecily Strong, who is one of the best female cast members in the history of SNL, uh, did a great job with this character. Really adorable, very, very funny, and the accent is hilarious, the, accent, the, the British accent that she does. And there are several times when hosts would play her boyfriend. But the best one was what the best episodes were when The Rock or, or uh, Dwayne Johnson played uh, uh, Gene, uh, Gene's meathead friend or Gemma's boyfriend. And he did it twice. And it's weird because um, it was kind of a one-off sketch in 2015, and that's the one we're going to play, where um, he is this goofball with a loud T-shirt who knows Kenan Thompson's character Gene from Jury Duty. Uh, and Gene and his wife, played by the great Vanessa Bear, are out to dinner, and they kind of invade their space. Uh, Dwayne Johnson with his crazy, and his girlfriend Gemma, the British singer, kind of invade their space. And it went over so well that it became a, you know, a recurring character for Cecily Strong, uh, Gemma, but he was so funny as the boyfriend, the next time that he hosted, um, they brought him back to do Gemma's boyfriend. So here is a great example of a recurring character that only happened twice, uh, this is uh, Dwayne Johnson as Gemma's boyfriend, uh, Gene's obnoxious and uh, meathead boyfriend. Uh, and here is uh, Dwayne Johnson. Oh, 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 my God. Gene, this is crazy. No freaking way. You recognize me? This is nuts. I, I feel like I just got effed in my brain without protection. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm having trouble placing you. Jury duty. Remember, we sent that guy to the chair together. Oh, yeah. You sent a guy to the chair? Oh, I didn't want to. I, I just needed it to end. <laughs> hey, can we join you? Hey, we should. Oh, by the way, this is my girlfriend Gemma. She's British. Hey, but don't get a boner when she talks, huh? Oh, babe, don't talk me up so much. I'm Gemma. I'm bejeweled. Okay, babe, let's sit. I'm, like, so angry. Scoot over, lady. Scoot over. You got pretty knees. I don't want to crunch them and pop the bones back out your back. Okay, gross. <laughs> no, I'm picturing her like that, like... Bones for Renezes. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. I'm such a big bag of friggin' meatballs. Mm -hmm. Hey, did I introduce you to my girl? Hi, I'm Gemma. Yes, we did this. Yeah, yeah, she's British. They tell you who, uh, tell, tell them who you used to date. Footballers. <laughs> Isn't that hot? Footballers. Makes you think about what she might do with her foot to your boys. Ain't that right, Jean? <laughs> uh... Babe, I want some nibbles. Get some, babe. Oh, she, she, me, she, she means apps. She, she says nibbles. Hey, say it again. Nibbles. <laughs> I'm as hard as a doorknob right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Aren't you, Jean? How about you? You, I, I... You're not hard, are you, Jean? <laughs> well, we need the apps. Where's the app guy? Where's the guy? The apps guy. We're starving. Nibbles. Um, we're actually just finishing dessert, and we're about to head home. Yeah, to so. bone, right? <laughs> Ain't that right, Jean? Uh, Possibly. <laughs> Little nibbles. Little nibbles now. <laughs> hey, you guys ever heard of onion rings? You're going to love them. Okay, so that's, so it's a very funny sketch, and obviously the, uh, Cecily Strong's character, the British singer Gemma, is adorable and really, really funny. 
So, uh, but but he was the best. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, was the best at playing her idiot boyfriend. And so they brought it back. And so that's actually one of my favorites as well. Next up is Scarlett Johansson, who's hosted the show many times, and of course, who's married now to uh, Colin Jones, uh, uh, had hosted the show several times. And one of the characters that she played was a character named Lexi. And it started off as like a 30-second walk-on for a two-minute sketch where Fred Armisen played Mike, and he was the proprietor of Mike and Tony's Chandelier Galaxy and Lindbrook. And, uh, and this became a recurring thing because she played his daughter, Lexi, who came out to testify even further about the luxury and opulence of chandeliers. And it's all done with like a Long Island accent. This is like a local TV commercial where uh, Mike and his daughter, Lexi, would sell things like marble columns or porcelain fountains or chandeliers or ceramic busts. And uh, these are things that you would buy to trick people into thinking that they're out on Long Island, but they're really millionaires. And it's these two Long Island goofballs selling stuff. And she would come out as Lexi. Scarlett Johansson would come out as Lexi during the commercial. And she was hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Um, And, uh, you know, the accent was funny. The clothing was funny. The whole idea of selling these stupid imitation luxury items to people on Long Island with the wacky accent and the terrible clothing made for a very, very funny commercial, which, of course, turned into a recurring sketch. Scarlett Johansson did Lexi four times. Uh, and this one was from season 36. It was from 2010. And this is when Lexi and her dad, Mike, are selling ceramic busts. This is hilarious. So here's Scarlett Johansson uh, repeating her character of Lexi selling stuff to people in Long Island. People are going to look at things at these and they're going to think you own a Mercedes Benz. Don't believe me? Try asking my daughter, Lexi. Come on, just get these already. Don't you want people to look into your house and say, whoa, that must be a family of brain surgeons. I, I bet they listen to classical music every day. Look at this one. Who is that? Sir Isaac Newton? Who's that one? Beethoven? Is that one Zeus? Everyone's gonna see these and go, God, they probably have a tennis court back there behind the bushes. I mean, imagine waking up and the first thing you see is a face like this one, or that one, this one, or that one. <laughs> okay, so that's 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 just a little bit of Scarlett Johansson, uh, and she's got a, a very vacant look in her eye uh, during this commercial. Uh, clearly, these these two goofballs from Long Island know nothing about class, but they are going to sell you these fake, uh, you know, uh, busts, these ceramic busts to make you classier. It's a very funny character, and every time she did it, it was funny. And when she was doing it with Fred Armisen as the father, always funny. It's a great sketch and a great recurring character. And Scarlett Johansson, again, a member of the Five Timers Club, a member of the family now of SNL, uh, and does great work every time she hosts. But I'm a big fan of Lexi. And by the way, that was, um, again, from uh, season 36. That was 2010. And she did that character four times, and you can find it all over the place. All right, next now, this is, this is a great one. This is one of the best recurring characters, one of the strongest recurring characters that a host has brought to it. And this is Adam Grossman, is the name of the character, as played by Jonah Hill. He's done this, uh, he's done this character four times now, uh, and he did it from the very first time he hosted to every single time he's hosted, they brought him back. Adam Grossman is a six-year-old kid who kind of talks like a Borscht Belt comic. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because he is a six-year-old kid who yells out zingers. They're usually at a Benihana restaurant 
and he's usually embarrassing his father, uh, sometimes played by uh, by Bill Hader, trying to pick up girls. But he's Jonah Hill as a six year old kid who talks like a, a 30 year old borscht belt comedian. Um, and it's really, really funny. Um, he talks, he try to, tries to pick up girls. He talks about really inappropriate things. He embarrasses whoever he's with, whether it's his uncle or his aunt or his father. And he talks to whoever the cook is at Benihana, and it's usually Fred Armisen. Um, and, uh, you know, most of the cranky 50 or 60-year-olds who are there with him are taken apart by this six-year-old kid with the Borscht Belt mouth. Um, it's a great character. I think one of the strongest, best performed, and usually beautifully written by the by the staff. They really write some great stuff for, for Jonah Hill to do um, as uh, Adam Grossman. And this particular one is actually, in fact, the first time he played uh, the character. This is 2008. It, 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 uh, Bill Hader plays his father. Fred Armisen is there. Casey, uh, Casey Wilson, uh, who only lasted a couple seasons on SNL, and Kristen Wiig are the girls that that they that kind of sit down. They sit down at the same table with at the Benihana. But this is a fantastic character played by Jonah Hill, six-year-old Adam Grossman. Excuse me, ladies. Are these seats taken? Uh, no. What luck. Good evening. I'm Adam Grossman. I am currently six years old. And this is my father, Evan Grossman, age classified. My father is recently divorced, i.e. on the market. And as luck would have it, his condo is only a stone's throw away from this very Benihana. It's nice to meet you. And she's not interested. Bad news, Dad. The recon mission did not go well. Nary a blip. But stick with the old sports coat and sour face. It's doing wonders for you. It's a joke. Lighten up. Leave these nice ladies alone. And he speaks. Welcome back to the land of the living. Excuse me, my darlings. My father has low self-esteem. He also has issues of hustler that he keeps under his bed. Like I wouldn't check there. I'm six. I shouldn't see such things. Good evening. Good to see you, Sushin. Ladies, a warning. Sushin is known to like his sake, so watch your fingers. I'm kidding, Sushin. Arigato and mazel tov to you. How are you, Adamasan? How am I? The same way I am the third weekend of every month, Sushin. Living it up Las Vegas style on the couch of my dad's condo. Relax, Dad, it's a joke. Seriously, though. Would it kill you to get cable? I'm six years old. A little Zack and Cody goes a long way. <laughs> Ladies, are you familiar with the work of Zack and Cody? Sorry? It's about two twins that live in a hotel. They have a butler. I'm stuck here with Mr. Personality. It's like living with paint if paint cried and complained about how expensive gas is. <laughs> All right, so that, that's... Uh... That's Adam Grossman, six-year-old uh, borscht belt, future borscht belt comedian. A great character that Jonah Hill does a great job with. And those got funnier. That was actually the first time he did it. And those got funnier and, 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 and wittier and darker every single time he did them. So uh, Jonah Hill, I uh, don't know if he's going to come back to SNL, but Jonah Hill uh, did a great job uh, hosting the four times that he did. And each time they did do uh, Adam Grossman. Again, that was from 2008, season 33. And it's out there. Okay, next is Christopher Walken. Now, Christopher Walken, we're getting towards the multiple. Uh, we're getting now towards. We're getting towards the some of the more the most memorable ones. Christopher Walken has hosted Saturday Night Live many, many times, um, and he is absolutely a member of the Five Timers Club. Well, one of the characters that he does every single time when he comes on is the Continental. 
Um, he's always memorable. You know, he usually opens the show with a song and dance number. Uh, you know, he does the silly make em ups uh, that he does. And, of course, we all remember such classic sketches as the, the cowbell sketch and so much more. But the character that he always does when he hosts, and he did it six times, is the Continental. And it's weird because it's this weird parody of a, a maybe a TV show that people have forgotten, it's certainly in the 80s when they first started doing uh, the Christopher Walken version of it. I don't think a lot of people remembered that it was actually a show, but it was a CBS TV series from the 50s uh, called The Continental. And it was this weird, bizarre format where it was this point-of-view shots from an unseen woman uh, kind of like walking through an apartment or the place with kind of a seductive, oily Continental. So uh, regular cast members could have pulled this off, but for some reason they gave it to Christopher Walken. And it became huge. It became one of the things that you looked forward to. Every time Walken hosted, I cannot wait to see him do the Continental. And I think a lot of people do forget that, in fact, it was based on a real TV show. He did it six times with increasing weirdness and increasing amounts of wowie, wow, 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 and he would mess around a lot. They played it a little straight as a satire slash parody the first time he did it. But every time, you know, that he did... The Continental, it got weirder and it got more wowie, wow, 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 and it got more mugging. There's nothing wrong with that because Walken's hilarious in it. And it became something that everybody looked forward to when Walken hosted it. You were like, okay, when's the Continental and how crazy is it going to be? And so, uh, so they would do it all the time. So here's a little piece of Christopher Walken doing the Continental. And as it continued through the years, they always left Phil Hartman, uh, even after Phil Hartman's death, they always left Phil Hartman's voiceover setting up the Continental. They always had that be a part of the sketch, which is a nice, lovely gesture. So if Walken ever comes back again to host and he does the Continental, you will once again hear the great voice of the wonderful Phil Hartman, who, again, in my opinion, is the greatest cast member in the history of SNL. So it's always nice to hear his voiceover. But this one is from uh, 2001. So at this point, he'd been doing it a bunch of times. Season 26, uh, this is from May 19, 2001. Here's a little bit of Walking doing the Continental. The sun is set. The stars shine in the sky. The night air is tinged with anticipation. And it is time to meet the Continental. Oh, wow. <laughs> to what serendipitous opportunity do I owe the pleasure of having such a wonderful woman on my doorstep. Oh, you got my flyer. <laughs> I made them myself at Kinko's. I put them all over this building hoping to find someone. So it is you are the owner of the brooch that I found in the elevator. Your brooch is an object d'art. It must be returned to its owner, ASAP. <laughs> Please come in. <laughs> Enjoy. Tell me, you are the ravishing siren who lives in the condo directly above me, no? I thought so. <laughs> I recall the first time I saw you in my periscope. <laughs> I mean, my terrace, coming in and out of this building in those backless hills. Wow, we! 
Wow, 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 wow. No, I'm about to put your coat in the boudoir. I insist. No, really, permit me. All kidding aside, come on, give a guy a break. <laughs> what? No, please, my, my Palomino of the Russian steppes. <laughs> a magnificent coat, like the brooch, like the woman who possesses them both. I will hang it in the closet. Allow me. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. Now, let us consummate, I mean, celebrate the reunion of you and your brooch with vintage champagne. Gotta have the champagne. And by the way, uh, when he was hanging up her, uh, her, her, her shawl, uh, there was a periscope there where he could spy on other people in other apartments and blah, blah, blah. So the idea is that, you know, obviously it's from the point of view of the woman, the camera, and tries to run out and he blocks the door and all that stuff. And at the end of every episode that Walken hosted when they would do the Continental, they would have the camera person, usually the cameraman, come up uh, on stage during good nights with the gloved hand so that you saw who the cameraman was who was performing with Walken during this point of view sketch. So... The Continental, uh, done six times by Christopher Walken, all of them very funny, and they got weirder, as, you know, is, is common for Christopher Walken. All right, Steve Martin is next. Steve Martin um, only had two recurring characters. You would think there would be more. Um, and again, not counting like King Tut, which he did a couple of times and some of the other things that he did, but uh, a recurring character that was specifically done for Saturday Night Live, he did two of them. There, of course, was uh, George Festrunk, who was one of the Festrunk brothers, who was the wild and crazy guys. He and Dan Aykroyd played the Czechoslovakian brothers, who were the swinging disco. They had their swinging disco pad, and they went out with uh, American woman with their big American breasts. And uh, classic and the wild and crazy guys, it was a catchphrase. He did uh, one of the Festrunk brothers six times. Very popular, catchphrases all over the place. Wild and crazy guy was... Steve Martin's catchphrase as part of his stand-up, as part of the concerts that he did. I saw the guy live in 1978, and the T-shirt that I bought said, Wild and Crazy Guy on it. So it was Steve Martin's catchphrase that was from his stand-up routine that they brought on stage on Saturday Night Live to be the Czechoslovakian um, uh, brothers. And, uh, and so that was one of his, uh, one of his uh, uh, recurring, uh, recurring characters, and a, a great one. And the other one is Theodoric of York, which is probably my favorite re recurring character that uh, Steve Martin did. And one of my favorite sketches, two of my favorite sketches, he did it twice. He was Theodoric of York, who was the medieval barber, and then he was also the medieval judge. Um, and the whole setup was it was medieval times, and as a doctor, he would, like, uh, bloodlet people and perfectly, you know, and kill them. And from Vulture, they said this. It's, uh, it is, it, it, this, this is, you know, th these are sketches that where people actually thought that Steve Martin, for many years, people thought that Steve Martin was actually a cast member on SNL because he hosted so many times and because he would pop up all the time. And he still, to this day, I mean, he just hosted last season along with Martin Short, but he pops up all the time for cameos. Whenever they do a five-timers club, he's always there. If there's any kind of special show, like they did the COVID show, he was there for that. Um, you know, many times he, he shows up. So he's closely associated with Saturday Night Live. And to the point where in the 70s, people were thought he was just a cast member. 
Well, Theodoric of York only appeared twice, if you can believe that. A lot of heavy bloodletting, a lot of um, a lot of weird things happening, a lot of torture. Um, but it was always hilarious, and he, you know, worked with people like Gilda Radner and Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, Belushi, Murray, all of the original cast members. And so uh, Theodoric of York became a recurring character. Was only twice. So here from season three, this is 1978, and features Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, Jane Curtin, and Lorraine Newman. This is Theodor- Theodoric of York, medieval, uh, medieval uh, doctor. Barber, sorry, medieval barber. Hello, Theodoric of York. Uh, it's springtime, and I'm here for my annual haircut and bloodletting. Well, welcome, son of Miller, William. Well, it's time to see you now. Have a seat. Brungilda. You start on his hair, and I'll open up one of his veins. Yes, Theodoric. Well, how's that little baby I delivered last Christmas when your wife died? Ah, the little fellow is deformed. Oh, that's right. I remember now. This may hurt. Ah! And now it's time for another episode of Theodoric of York, Medieval Barber. There you go. Well, looks like I have another patient. I'll be back in a minute to see how you're doing. Right, thank you. Just a trim, Brungilda. <laughs> Hello, Theodoric Barber of York. Hello, Joan, wife of Simkin the Miller. Well, how's my little patient doing? Not so well, I fear. We followed all your instructions. I mixed powder of staghorn, gum of Arabic with boiled sheep's urine and applied it in a poultice to her face. And did you bury her up to her neck in the marsh and leave her overnight? Oh, yes. But she still feels as listless as ever, if not more. Well, let's give her another bloodletting. Brungilda. Yes, Leonard. Take two pints. (laughs) Yes, Leonard. Will she be all right, Barber? Well, I'll do everything humanly possible. But unfortunately, we barbers are not gods. You know, medicine is not an exact science. But we're learning all the time. Why, why, just 50 years ago, we would have thought your daughter's illness was brought on by demonic possession or witchcraft. <laughs> but nowadays, we know that Isabel is suffering from an imbalance of bodily humors, perhaps caused by a toad or a small dwarf living in her stomach. <laughs> all right, and it would go on and on. The goriness would continue, the bloodletting, and it was just hilarious, and... and Steve Martin as Theodoric was just hysterical, and it would always end with a monologue at the end that uh, that uh, Steve Martin would give directly to the camera, talking about more ridiculous historical events and ridiculous historical facts and and and, and weird concepts. Only twice, though, but Theodoric from York uh, is considered one of uh, one of the best characters of uh, the early days of Saturday Night Live, and that was Steve Martin, and he only did that twice. All right. Justin Timberlake is next. Now, Justin Timberlake has hosted a bunch of times. He's well into the Five Timers Club um, and has become like a comedy partner along with Jimmy Fallon, who I find incredibly irritating and annoying. But um, Justin Timberlake is obviously a multi-talented guy, an incredible musician, a great singer, fantastically talented in the music department, but also very, very, very funny, a great host of SNL, and also a terrific dramatic actor. If you want to check out some of the stuff that he that he's done, He's a, he's a he's a really strong actor, and he's 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 multi talented and a great host on Saturday Night Live. And he's done some characters many times. He's got recurring characters, like for instance, he's got Robin Gibb, uh, host of the Barry Gibb talk show. Is Jimmy Fallon plays Barry Gibb, 
And, you know, they team up together, as I mentioned before. He and Jimmy Fallon team up a lot together and do a lot of comedy together. He's appeared on The Tonight Show. He appeared on The Late Night Show that he was on. And whenever Justin Timberlake comes back to host Saturday Night Live, at some point, inevitably, the fucking annoying Jimmy Fallon shows up as well. Uh, and so the Robin, Gig char- Robin Gibb character, uh, the imitation that he does, is very, very, very funny. It's, you know, he barely speaks. He's done it six times, and it's part of the very funny Barry Gibb talk show that uh, Jimmy Fallon does. And then the other one uh, that he does that I think most people remember as the best would be um, the Dick in the Box guy. He is one of the Dick in the Box guys. It's him and, uh, and of course, Andy Samberg, the infamous... Dick in the Box uh, 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 digital short that like blew up around the holidays uh, back in the day. And it was one of the most classic things they've ever done. And uh, the Dick in the Box guys, those musicians who are patterned after, you know, the 90s boy bands with the facial hair and the beards and the hair and the clothing and stuff like that. Uh, they, they came back three times uh, full for, you know, for for uh, for, uh, for for videos. So he's done the Dick in the Box guy three times. And the other thing that he's done many times, and that's five times, is where he dresses up in a weird costume. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it started out with Omeletteville, where he came out dressed as a, an omelet. And uh, it's, it, it was a parody of these people who dress up in costumes and stand on the street corner and try to get you to buy their products or go into a restaurant or go into a car wash where they're in a big, silly costume. And they're trying to get keep people off the street to take a coupon or to take a product or to go into a store and they're dressed up in outrageous costumes. And that's what the bit was. It started out with Chris Parnell who was dressed up uh, as a slice of bacon and two eggs. Um, And then uh, he was trying to get people to go into this breakfast shop, standing outside dancing and handing out flyers. And then uh, Justin Timberlake shows up dressed up like an omelet, trying to get people to go into omeletteville. And it became so huge because it was Justin Timberlake in a wacky costume looking funny and doing a weird kind of accent, and then him singing along and doing dance numbers to very popular songs of that time period in the early 2000s. And, of course, it was a sketch that took off because Justin Timberlake is good at dancing, he's very good at singing, he's very good at being funny, and he's adorable. And he looked really funny in an omelet costume. So it became a recurring thing because they put him in a weird costume, they have him come out, and then just basically sing and dance to musical numbers. Uh, and, And it was a very easy thing to write, Put Justin Timberlake in a funny costume, have him sing parodies of songs that are popular now, and the audience will go apeshit. And that's what happened. And I have to say, I'm guilty of finding it very funny. There's not a whole lot of skill involved. There was not a whole lot of writing involved. It was like, uh, what song could Justin Timberlake have fun with in a wacky costume? And after a while, it was done by rote. By, it was like, okay, he, I mean, this is just sleepwalking through it. It's not the most complicated or, or the most, um, you know, deeply written character it's just Justin Timberlake in a wacky costume singing and of course inevitably when this when this character got popular they would always have to bring out goddamn Jimmy Fallon so here's a clip of Justin Timberlake dressed as wrapping paper Uh, and in this one it's uh, A.D. Bryant who's trying to it's during the Christmas holidays and she's outside trying to get people to buy her gift wrapping and then uh, Justin Timberlake shows up with his boom box dressed up like a roll of wrapping paper. He starts to sing, and then Jimmy Fallon, of course, comes out to fuck everything up, <laughs> dressed as a gift bag. But here is a, a, a quick example of uh, JT as the costumed pitch man. This is from season 39, 2013, and it features uh, A.D. Bryant and Jimmy Fallon as well. Here's Justin Timberlake 
taken off from the old days of Omeletteville. Get your gift wrapping right over here. All proceeds go to putting an ice skating rink in our senior center. Now let's drum up some business here. <clears throat> Angels, we have heard on high, sweetly singing all the plains blue. Your gift wrap will pay for old people to ice skate. So it just got to the point where uh, people would scream after he would do it. Bring it on down to whateverville, and people would go nuts. So it became an easy way to kill five minutes. Just put, just put Justin Timberlake in a stupid costume. Have him sing popular songs at the time. Have Jimmy Fallon come out and be a dickhead, and then it would be it would kill five minutes. So, uh, but I, it still made me laugh. Uh, but the Omeletteville thing he did five times. The Robin Gibb he did six times. Dick in a Box three times. Dick in a Box arguably the best of those recurring characters. All right, and finally, Tom Hanks. Now, Tom Hanks has hosted a bunch of times. He's well, he's one of the very first guys to, to be acknowledged and be a part of the Five Timers Club. And he has um, five characters, five recurring characters. He has the most successful and funny and best recurring characters of anybody who has ever hosted Saturday Night Live. Tom Hanks is one of the best hosts in the history of SNL. Every single time he hosts, even when he makes surprise appearances, when he plays himself on Celebrity Jeopardy, he's one of the funniest Celebrity Jeopardies of all time. When he pops up for special events like the Five Timers Club or for, you know, any kind of, uh, uh, you know, special episodes. Tom Hanks has appeared on SNL numerous, numerous times, many times as host, many times as surprise guest. And every single time he walks on the stage in NBC uh, at 30 Rock, he kills. He absolutely kills. He's one of the best celebrities to ever appear on SNL in any capacity. Well, as a host, he has five recurring characters. Um, there is one of my favorites is the uh, the the girl watcher uh, character that he would do with John Lovitz. Um, and that was where he and John Lovitz were these losers who were like talking about how they would uh, they would see the ladies don't like me. My face is just too wide. And there they go. And it's him and John Lovitz playing these two losers as they try to pick up girls very lamely and they just walk past them. And it is one of the funniest characters. He and Lovitz are hilarious as the girl watchers. And there she goes. A great character. And that he did three times. There is also, um, there is also Yuri uh, Shurinson uh, from the Sabra Shopping Network. And this was written by Robert Smigel, and, Ka and Hanks is sort of an Israeli businessman, a salesman, who's trying to sell off-brand VCRs, but they got Sony guts. They got Sony guts. 
And it's another sketch that's not very easy to find in the archives because it's kind of a questionable... <laughs> it's questionable in terms of the accent and the character that he's playing. And it's written by Smigel, so it's dark and kind of twisted. Um, but it's kind of like a Price is Right ripoff where he is selling, obviously, either hot or junky items off-brand uh, electrical uh, equipment. And it's, it's a character that's absolutely hilarious. And uh, it, that kind of character actually inspired some of Smigel's writing for Adam Sandler and uh, stuff like You Don't Mess With the Zohan. Um, so, but, but yeah, Tom Hanks played Yuri Sorensen, the Israeli uh, electronics uh, <laughs> dealer. Not very, not very politically correct, but pretty funny. And then there is uh, Paul, which is this character that he played who was kind of like, hey, did you, what's the deal? The Jerry Seinfeld kind of character with the just observational comedy. And he did that twice. He also did it with Kyle Mooney on an episode of Weekend Update in 2016 that actually got cut for time. But if you can find it, and you can, it's from 2016, and it's with Kyle, and it's with, uh, with uh, Kyle Mooney, and it's him doing the Paul character, which is essentially an over-the-top version of the observational, wacky comedy that Jerry Seinfeld would do, and it never stops. So there's that. But one of my favorites is Mr. Short-Term Memory. Mr. Short-Term Memory is just that. It's a bit that they did in the 80s when he first hosted, and um, it is like before Memento, it's before 51st Dates, it's before it was funny to make fun of people who could lose their memory. And Tom Hanks is the short-term memory guy. Uh, this is the first time they did it. This is from 19... Uh, this, I'm sorry, this is the second time they did it. And this is from 1990. It also features the great Phil Hartman as his friend and, uh, and Victoria Jackson as a nurse. And the setup is simple. He's a guy who has short-term memory, so the joke is you'll say something to him or he'll do something, and then two seconds later he'll forget it. It's a simple premise. It's a dumb premise. But Hanks pulls it off beautifully, and it's funny every single time. So here is Tom Hanks from season 15 in 1990 doing a little bit of Mr. Short-Term Memory. Mr. Short-Term Memory He shouldn't have stood under that pear tree Now there's just no remedy Tonight's episode, The Hospital. Well, hey, Bill, I I came as soon as I heard about your leg. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate that. Appreciate what? <laughs> Well, that you came as soon as you heard. Heard what? I don't like the tone of your voice. Well, that I broke my leg. Oh, no, Bill, that's terrible. How did that happen? Okay, get this, you know, we got all this snow last night, so I got the ladder out this morning, and I was up on the roof sweeping the snow off with a broom. The ladder slipped on some ice, and bam, I went down broke my leg. What? Oh, no! You broke your leg! Bill, that's terrible! How did it happen? I was on the roof getting snow off with a broom, and I fell. Oh, my God! We gotta get you to a hospital! Jeff, we're in a hospital. Well, then we gotta get you a nurse. Nurse! Hello! Nurse! Nurse! What's the matter? What's the matter? We've just got a man with a broken leg here. I was just here. What do you want me to do for him? Do for who? <laughs> I'll come back later. So, Bill, it's 2 o'clock. What the hell are you still doing in bed? 
I uh, broke my leg. Oh, no! That's awful! Yeah, it is. How did it happen? I fell. That's it? That's it? You fell? Come on, there's got to be more to it than that. Okay, I was up on the roof, and I was cleaning snow off, and the ladder slipped, and... Wait, 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 hey, look, 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 pal. I've got my troubles, too. I don't go tell them to every stranger I meet. No, so you get the idea. And it goes on from there, and they... They did, it, they did it three times, and it was funny every time. In fact, um, it, it, it became sort of brilliant. And uh, as Tom Hanks got more comfortable uh, you know, hosting the show, um, he was just fantastic at doing anything they threw at him. And that, that sketch got funnier every time, Mr. Short-Term Memory. But the most memorable recurring character that Tom Hanks has is, of course, David S. Pumpkins. Um, appeared three times on the show. I remember the first time that David S. Pumpkins appeared, he became a massive hit. It was the night, by the way, that the Cubs uh, beat the Dodgers to end up in the World Series uh, in 2016 and uh, to end up going to the World Series. And so it was a big night, very, and I didn't watch it till late because I watched all of the stuff in the locker room for the Cubs and all that stuff. So I didn't watch it till late. And I remember watching it. It was probably about 11, it was probably about 2 o'clock in the morning when I watched it. And I was like, this is the funniest thing of all time. David S. Pumpkins is the Halloween character wearing all the, pu- the pumpkin suit. And there's really no explanation who, who this character is. He's got the two skeleton dancers next to him. You know who David S. Pumpkins is. There was a Halloween special, an animated special. He's appeared a bunch of times. And out of nowhere, this character was actually written by Mikey Day and created by Bobby Moynihan and his writing partner. On a lark, they thought, okay, for this stupid Halloween show, we'll just bring in this character, David S. Pumpkins. And for some reason, it hit a nerve. And not for some reason, because it's really, 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 really funny. The concept is ridiculous. Um, It is just this goofy-ass character that has no background. There's no reason for this Halloween character to exist. And it's David S. Pumpkins. Uh, And it is my favorite of Tom Hanks' recurring characters. So I'm just going to play. This is from the very first time that David Pumpkins appeared in the world. And it was in October of 2016, season 42, this uh, Keenan Thompson is in this. Kate McKinnon, Beck Bennett, Mikey Day, Bobby Moynihan are all in this. Uh, and it's become a classic character, a recurring character, one of my favorite recurring characters in SNL, one of the goofiest and inexplicably hilarious characters, David S. Pumpkins. But David Pumpkins? I mean, is he from something? Yeah, like is he from a local commercial or? Well, the scariest thing to the mind is the unknown. <laughs> David Pumpkins! I know, but like, who are you? I'm David Pumpkins, man! Okay, yeah, yeah, and David Pumpkins is... His own thing! And the skeletons are... Part of it! Why are are you a part of this ride? To do this! What's my name? David S. Pumpkins. Any questions? Yes, several. I mean, what, he has the middle initial now? I am so in the weeds with David Pumpkins. Babe, don't let David Pumpkins ruin your night. Don't let David Pumpkins ruin your night. I love that. <laughs> Any questions? Yes, several. 
Um, one of the classic uh, sketches of all time, one of the weirdest characters that nobody expected to take off. Bobby Moynihan talks about it. I mean, he wrote it, and he's like, I had no idea that it was going to be what it was. And sometimes some of the best and most memorable sketches and characters come out of the fact that, you know, when it was written, it was just on a lark and people were screwing around, and then suddenly it becomes classic. So David S. Pupkins is my favorite recurring Tom Hanks uh, uh, character, and he has five of them. Justin Timberlake has three. Steve Martin has two. And then we have memorable recurring characters from Christopher Walken, Jonah Hill, Scarlett Johansson, Dwayne Johnson, Alec Baldwin, and Buck Henry. And there are a few more, and I'll do another episode about those. But those are hosts and recurring characters, and that is an even more exclusive club than the five-timers. So there you go. All right, that's another episode of That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years. Uh, I would love to hear from you, your thoughts, your comments, your contributions, your suggestions for future SNL shows. My voicemail is 773-417-6948. It is open 24-7. You can leave a voicemail for me at this website or at this podcast and at my other podcast, the Nick D Podcast. Again, 773-417-6948. Email me to both podcasts, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Ed at uh, Radio Misfits for doing all the great stuff and being the main man. Check out our 24-hour streaming service at radiomisfits.live, where you can hear this podcast and great music and so much more. And my thanks to Jason Skaggs, who does the sound and the themes and the music for both of my podcasts, and he did the opening theme and this closing theme as well. So my thanks to Jason Skaggs, and my thanks to you. Please take the time to rate and review us, spread the word, subscribe, like us on every platform. This is That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years. I'm Nick DiGilio, and we'll see you next time. night and have a pleasant tomorrow.